Lord, I ask you to just move among us this morning and let the word touch hearts. And Lord, I pray that I just speak of the Spirit through the Spirit and nothing of my flesh and that each heart be open. So God, we thank you and know that your word never comes back void. And so we praise your holy name in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, everybody needs to turn to Joshua. We're going to be pretty consistent next few weeks. Last week and this week, we're going to be going through Joshua. So turn to Joshua chapter 2. Chapter 2, and as you're turning there, give a little introduction here. Again, as we, Joshua is a picture of God leading his people in to conquer the land. And that's what Joshua's all about. And so it's a physical picture of the spreading of God's kingdom. Now, what we have in the New Testament, and specifically in the uh, book of Ephesians, we have a picture of God taking possession of the land, if you will, in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual sense. So what you have is Joshua is kind of a physical picture that we can see. And in the book of Ephesians, we have the spiritual picture of what's happening around us. And so it, it really is something we can look at and get some uh, and it can, and can understand our times today. It really will help us to understand our times today and give us some strength, all right? And so what we have, you see the title of the message is Rahab, all right? Now, some of you may go, who's that? And some of you who know who it is, you go, why her? (laughs) So anyway, but it's going to be about Rahab, or she's going to kick off our study here. And so what we want to see here, and we're going to see it in Rahab, and that through Rahab, if we grasp what's being said, we're going to have a confidence, a confidence through the continuity of the Scriptures. We're going to see what's said here, and then we're going to see what's said and how it attaches the New Testament, so we're going to see a continuity. And I think that's really important because when we see the continuity within the Bible, that gives us confidence. We have confidence. Like, wait a minute, this is, this is a big deal. This is tied together. So here we are. We have... Joshua's at the Jordan River, all right? The land he's to conquer is across the Jordan. You hear people, the Christians say, you know, this is time to cross the Jordan. It's time to make a decision. It's like crossing the Rubicon, you know, or whatever. But he's ready to cross the Jordan, and God's promises are about to be fulfilled. So he's moving forward. Now, again, I said this last time, but it's, I think it's important, is that we, like in this country, we, we know that our Christian faith is being attacked. Amen? And so we're really concerned about protecting, you know, our faith and standing for it, which is a good thing. But the Bible wasn't written like that. It wasn't written like that. It's written from a totally different point of view. And its point of view is like the world is lost. It's dark. And God comes in and takes possession. He doesn't protect anything. He takes possession. First of all, it's dark. Abraham, you know, it's dark, you know, it's Moses, you know, it's dark. And, and the, he's taking possession because the world is dark and he calls his people to bring light and sta- stand in and take possession. So he, he comes in when you see the numerically, he's, he's, uh, doesn't have the, God doesn't have the numbers, all right? But he comes into the darkness. Now, in Jesus, the same way. When Jesus came in and after his resurrection, all right, there was not a church. 
There weren't any believers. There were like 11, all right? And so with him and that 11, they didn't try to protect what they had. They took the land. They took. So the Bible is about taking the land, not so much defending the land. Now, understand, we want to defend the land, but that's not how the Bible approaches it. And if we look at that, the Bible that way, we can have a better understanding how we move forward because he's telling us how to move forward forward god is not on the defense he is on the offense the bible is written for us to be on the offense amen so now we have a picture here of joshua he is definitely ready to cross <laughs> ready to cross the jordan and go into the offense now and so what we have like today and here's the part and we'll apply it today like today with joshua you have him coming in light exposing darkness that's what joshua did like his light god's light through john exposing darkness and what we have is light invades darkness all right so we're going to look he's told all the folks and he that get ready god's given us the land but then in chapter two we have this situation that happens before he goes in what he does he sends in a couple of spies He sends in a couple of spies. Now, this is important as we look at it because as I read through it, what I want to have in your mind is that this is light coming into darkness and God has given us a physical picture of the darkness and how his light comes into that darkness. And so we see that physical picture of the world. We see it in this country. Now we see it in the world. And so we have a better idea how God works. Okay? Long enough introduction. Okay, So let's look at how this is fixing to kick off. And light is going to move into, into darkness. And But he does this first. Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. All right? Going to read all 14 verses because it's just good in the count. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Siddim. Go... Look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You can catch up with them. But she had taken them up through the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know, listen, she goes, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, 
the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. We have heard all of it. Our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage has failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. Now, there is so much there that tells us about the church, their position, and what's going on. It tells us a lot about the lost world and how the lost world looks at things. Now, you understand these people, what did she say about these people? All right, the things she said, they're scared to death. They know what you're doing. Now, they didn't change their mind, their attitudes, or anything about that, but they know what's happening. There's nothing but fear, okay? Now, is the church <laughs> way? Everybody will love us, you know, to share the love of Christ, but they don't. In fact, they'll be a real belligerence. You know, they'll be a real stand-up and, you know, a real accusation, you know, of who we are. They fear us. They fear what we believe down deep because it's counter to what they believe. And one of them is wrong, and we're claiming the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, and so it's, it's a standoff. It's a standoff. But you can just see, if you will, it's like three million Jews fixing to move into the dark kingdom. See, it's the same thing. The same thing is happening today. So, so we see this picture. So again, to put us there at that time, but to bring it here for the light of see, the same principle is at work. The same principle is at work, okay? So Joshua is about to lead Three million Hebrews across the Jordan. Okay, now in that three million, there's about six hundred fifty thousand grown men. Make it so they're they're at the, they're at the Jordan. And what did this verse say? The people knew. They said they're scared. They're, and it, and you know what they say? They know these people are going to win. <laughs> you know, and they're scared. And she communicates this, and this is what's going on. Now, so that's the position they are and so it helps you to understand a little bit a bit about the position of the church the believing church now there's an unbelieving church that you know there's just an unbelieving church but the believing church okay it's a stand it's a light that they recognize a believing church is not going to compromise and they're going to stand and they're going to move forward they become a threat they are a threat now, it says here these people were melting in fear for the army. But I think in the lost mindset, when you stand strong and your testimony is what God's done in your life and the change of his power, there's any acceptance. It's a threat. That's the reason there can't be any reconciliation with the darkness, with the darkness. Now, so, so we have the picture. We have the picture, okay? So joshua's here and he says okay we're ready to go i'm gonna send some folks out there and we'll just kind of see what the lay of the land is and that's all they were doing and they found out this information so 
they're ready to cross the Jordan into this idol worshiping. It's an if we had time, you could go through and tell what all these people practice. All right, it would just make what we're practicing today not look that bad. I mean, these were bad folks in how they live and their view of their gods. So they're going. This is an evil idol worshiping group of people, and they're called Canaanites. Now they have some other groups there with them, but the big group is the Canaanites, and they inhabit the land. And so these two spies, they go in, and we see this. They're hiding in the house. They're spying it out, and they're hiding in the house of Rahab, the prostitute. Now, I, I won't say this is important because I've read commentary, and they people say, well, she was just a landlord. She was... No, she's not. She's a prostitute. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that is the word. The word used there means secular prostitute, okay? And so that's what she was. And so this is where uh, they hid. So it tells you where this woman's coming from. You know, I mean, you have this terrible, dark society calling this woman a prostitute. I mean, it can't be good. I mean, it's just, okay, so we do recognize who this lady is. Now, here's the point surprisingly, they're hiding in Rahab's house, surprisingly, in Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 5, she's identified in the lineage of Christ. Okay, <laughs> something happened. Okay, it's significant that this woman with such a background could be an example of faith, an example of faith. And she chose to be identified with the people of Israel to be identified. And she's made this decision based on faith of what she heard about them, where they were, and she made this, I'm going to be identified with you. And that's what she told these guys. Now, evidently, sometime after conquering the city and she was rescued, she was assimilated uh, into Israel, and she married into, it has to be, she married into the royal family line it wasn't just hey you know you know low level Israelite no she married into the royal line that's recorded in scripture now so and hiding the spies is an evidence of her faith okay now again remember what's happening they're going in this country and they're Told, God says, wipe everybody out. That's, and I mean, there's a spiritual significance to that. You don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a plan B. I mean, it's just not. The Bible doesn't give you one. And so he's going to move and he saves his people. But the rest, everybody, big trouble. All right? And so what you have here, then she made a decision. I believe that. Identifies with the Israelites. And she ends up marrying into the royal family and is is in the lineage of Christ himself. Now, spiritual, there's a physical picture, and it's communicating a huge spiritual picture. Physical picture, spiritual picture. Now, and so hiding the smiles is evidence of her faith. Also, her faith was demonstrated by her words, what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land. I, it's, they know. I know the Lord has given you the land. So she's witnessed, been told, 
You know, if, if you ever wonder like that, so Moses leads the Jews out, the Jews in 40 years, and then they come out, and then they're going to buy all this stuff happen. You know, I wonder if anybody knew about this. The Canaanites did. They knew, they knew this happened. And they thought, uh-oh, this whole bunch of folks is right here at the river. Okay? So they knew. It wasn't like they didn't know. Like big shot, they knew full well who the Israelites were, and they knew what they were going to do. And this lady goes, I believe it, and she assimilates into Israel. One in the darkness of all the Canaanites, this one lady stepped up. Are we surprised how few come to Christ? <laughs> you know, Some say, well, when people come to Christ, it's going to be just like Acts, and 3,000 came in one day, you know, and that was a really unique time, and I believe that, and I pray for something like that. But afterwards, you know, after they get off center and spread out into the nation, you don't hear anything like that. Small groups, small groups, small people. I want to write to the people who meet in your house. <laughs> Why? Because that's just, they only had, you know, so he wrote to the people in their house. See, anyway, I'm just saying, God's mindset is a little different than our mindset, okay? And so we shouldn't be discouraged what God's telling us where we are, what we are doing. And we see Rahab. Rahab is an example here of a conversion that believed God and God took care of her. Now, in this darkness, Rahab, you know, believing Rahab, Rahab is us. Rahab isn't a lady we're reading about in history. Oh, it is. But Rahab is us. Rahab is a type of the church. Rahab, and this is important. Rahab is a type of the church. In the realm of the lost, unbelieving Rahab, a Gentile, not a Jew, a Gentile, believes and comes into the kingdom of God. She's a Gentile bride of Christ. All right? Important. Gentile. What are we? Gentile brides of Christ. Rahab is us. It really isn't the Jews. <laughs> you know, no, it's not. She is a picture. She is a picture of faith. She's a picture of of Gentile faith that brings her into the lineage of Christ and brings her into the kingdom. We as believers trust Christ and it brings us into the lineage of Christ as children of God. We prefer New Testament all the time, children of God. How we get there? Through faith in Christ, just like Rahab did. And we become the bride of Christ, just like Rahab did. All right? And so you have this picture. So she's a type of the church. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it's called the, you know, chapter of faith, chapter 11, uh, you shows Rahab. In, so it's showing the, the honor roll of faith in Hebrews 11. And it includes Rahab. You have Abraham, which we all talk about, is the man of faith. In the same context, it has Rahab, the woman of faith. You know, 
Really? Do you see the picture? Do you see what's happening in the Old Testament and see what's happening in the New Testament? And the same exact thing is happening in both of them. She comes into the kingdom by her faith. In the New Testament, we come into the kingdom by faith. Take the land. So, in Hebrews, and again, in the same context as Abraham. So, look at Hebrews. I have an overhead for you here. Look at Hebrews 11.31. See, we were once in darkness, and we responded to the light. She was in darkness, and she responded to the light she had. All right? Hebrews 11.31. By faith, (laughs) Abraham. Well, that's a few verses before. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. I mean, why couldn't a poor lady, why couldn't he just call her Rahab? You know, redeemed Rahab. But they don't, you know. She's just stuck with it. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And her protecting the spies was an act of faith. And she took her life in her own hands and hid those spies. She was com- committed to that. So, you know, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've been exalted into the heavens. What were you before that? Oh, prostitute. You know, it's just God just takes all sorts of folks and makes them right, you know. And he says those that are saved that they're worthy, he says, no, you're not. No, you're not. The Pharisees, in a legalistic sense, were worthy as a group in a legalistic sense, and God called them, you're whited sepulchers. You're just, you're dead men bones, you know. And so the, the point of it is, is all that is to drive home God's grace and God's forgiveness for his people, for his people. So, as believers, we respond to the light just as Rahab and receive the promises. How did Rahab receive the promises? Or I ask you, did Rahab receive the promises? with all the rest of those Hebrews. And then, and again, the way the the prostitute Rahab becomes part of the royal lineage of Christ. Royal lineage of Christ. So, it is recorded throughout the scripture that she saved by grace. Rahab acted decisively of her deep convictions, her faith was evidenced by her actions, and she put her life at risk. Amen? That's the church. Now, help, you know, we're here to understand we live in a dark world. We come here, can you believe what they said? Can you believe what they did? Can you believe this happened so fast? You know, and of course, if you read the Bible, oh yeah, we've been waiting for this. We knew this was going to happen. See? But no, we're just shocked. But it's like, no, and we're building up walls and defending the faith. And again, I'm not talking, taking away from defending the faith. But it's like, no, let's just put on the armor and take the step and take the ground. Okay, we see the battle. We see the battle. We don't get behind the wall. We put on the armor and we take the step fearlessly. Why? Because God, and we saw last week and we'll see next week, he said, I'm going to give you every place you step your foot. But what you have to do first is put on the armor and step. Does God give you the step? No, you take the step and he gives it to you. 
but you have to take the step. And he talks about, he says, you need to go out, and this is fascinating, you need to go out and take all the land I've given you. What has God done? He's given us all the land. Given it, but all you have to do, take a step. That's our part of getting the land he's given us already. And so he's given us, and if we don't take the step, we don't get it. We don't get it. Here it is, like holding out a gift. That is really cool. I'm going to do a selfie. <laughs> you know? And you, go, you, you don't take it. You ever own it. You don't do anything. Well, you don't get it. You don't get it. So, y'all with me? Now, but the point of it is, we see this picture, but the point of it is bring it and back, make application of who we are today. Who we are today. And again, God knew, all these lost people knew that God was going to give all these Israelites the land. They knew it. They're scared. But he, but he told Joshua and the people, you got, he's every place you step your foot, I give you. Do you see the principle? Physical principle, spiritual principle, like that. But it calls on the decision, and you look at <laughs> Rahab, you know, if you just look at Rahab the prostitute, well, I know I'll find grace in all these self, all these self-righteous Jews. They'll love me, <laughs> you know. She didn't think that. See, she had an understanding of what God and what God did, and turned it over to Him, and she humbled herself. I'll take care of you. Was her step of faith, and then that step of faith brought her into the kingdom, and. She was part of the lineage of Christ. When we take that step of faith and accept Christ, we become part of the lineage of Christ as children of God. Is Joshua connected to the New Testament? Amen. Isn't that two different books? It's connected. There's a continuity. And we have great strength through that continuity. See? And, and the Bible is a picture of Christ. Now, so as we look at this, so we got this down. Well, let's talk about another Gentile lady, okay? Another Gentile lady. And uh, this is, this is kind of interesting. So in the lineage of Christ, along with Rahab, along with Rahab, we have another Gentile woman in Matthew 1.5. There's another Gentile woman in the lineage of Christ. And she's Ruth the Moabite. Yeah, Ruth the Moabite. We all think, you know, we can read Ruth and read the book of Ruth and be happy and how sweet it is. But in a biblical sense, that woman was ostracized by the Israelites. See? And the Gentiles, and especially, especially the Moabites, were excluded from God's people. That's the reason to took the land, and I took it from the Gentiles. The Gentiles are excluded from God's people, especially if you're a Moabite. You can turn here. This is good memory verse. Joking. Deuteronomy twenty-three three. Deuteronomy twenty-three three. No Amorite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even to the tenth 
generation. Now I'm going to tell you what the 10th generation means. And I saw this in Nehemiah because he quotes the same verse and he uses a different word. It's like saying, you ain't coming in a million years. That's what it means. Not, well, I'll wait 10 and on the 11th generation. That's not what he's saying. He said, you're not coming here in a million years. Well, in a million and one year, I can. No, it's, it's, a, it's a word of exaggeration. You never come here. So when you see anywhere in the Bible that says to the 10th generation, it means never. It means never. In fact, when uh, Nehemiah quotes a verse on the 10th generation, he said, they're not coming forever. He didn't say 10th. What said 10th generation? Here, you said forever. It's the same thing. I said the same thing, but it's in the Bible. So you see that? That's a good thing to know. Don't try to count. You know, you're going, oh, my God, this is here. My family did this. I have to go back 10 years. I never, we'll never get out of this jam. No, it's not. That's Okay, you, this, it means a million years. So when, when can a Moabite enter the assembly of the Lord? Never. Thus saith the Lord. Now, so what we have here uh, in the book of Ruth, after, after the Israelites conquer the land, uh, as the book of Ruth tells us, um, Naomi, Naomi, good name, remember, Naomi, her husband and her two sons moved from Israelite, from Israel, because of a famine, they moved from Israel to Moab. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. So, but there, there was a famine, so they moved to Moab. She, and so she moves with her husband and two sons. Well, the two sons marry two Moabite women. Now, that's going to happen if you live in Moab. I mean, I'm just telling you, all right? Oh, we just sort of like them and just want to do some casual dating. Now, you're going to marry these girls. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so they marry these Moabite girls. And one of them was named Orpha, and the other one is named Ruth. Now, what happens, what happens is that after so many years, Naomi's husband dies and her sons die. So here she is, destitute in Moab. I mean, what worse place could it be for a Jewish woman? You know, I mean, she's husband's dead, son's dead, and here she is, destitute in Moab. So what she does, she tells her daughters-in-law, Orpha, Orpha and Ruth, and says, listen, you're going to have to stay in Moab. I just thought, why? Why? Why can't they come back to Israel with her? Not in a million years. Not in a million years. Okay, so you need to stay. You've got to stay. Me, being destitute, I'm going back to Israel. Orpha goes, all right. She kisses, he loves, she loves her mother-in-law, gives her a kiss, and she stays. But Ruth refuses to stay. She says, I'm not staying. I'm not staying. And in Ruth 1.16, we see what she says. Ruth 1.16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you are to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth forsakes everything she has. Everything she had, she forsakes everything she has. 
And she says, your people will be my people. I mean, Moabites, everything she has, her history, she's leaving. Your people be my people. And your God will be my God. (laughs) Ruth acted decisively with deep convictions. Her faith was evidenced by her actions. She's a woman of faith. Your God will be my God. But God said, clearly, Moabites can't come in. She said, your God will be my, I'm going anyway. I'm going anyway. So here's the thing. Ruth is us. (laughs) Ruth is us. The forsaken Gentile bride with no hope, separated from God. Ruth is us. And she says, No matter, your God will be my God. Now, here's what happened Ruth goes, and that's great, you can read the book of Ruth, it's a great book to read. But Ruth, now follow this, this would be worth writing. Ruth. The Moabite is a type of the church. She's a type of us. See, we're destitute. We think, oh, God brought me in the kingdom because he just loved me so much, and I am so good, and it's going to be great to have Wally on my team. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no. You know, I always tell you, if I went back to, I went back to that class reunion, been gone, the guy come up, and he said, hey, somebody told me you're preaching. And I, I didn't know how to, I said, well, yeah. He said, my God, God save you, he save anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's the people he gets, you know. He's like the Moabite. I mean, he's a, a Moabite. You've got to be kidding me, you know. In fact, I know a lot of Moabites better than you. Anyway, so what you have here, and follow this. Ruth is the type of the church. Ruth, the Moabite, the Gentile that's been rejected, Ruth the Moabite, a type of the church, ultimately married an Israelite named Boaz, a type of Christ. That's how she got in. (laughs) She's a type of the church, and she married Boaz, who's a type of Christ. How do we in? How do we get in? By our connection and belief and become the family of God. And then we're in because we connect with Christ. We become his bride. Jesus returns to the, Jesus is going to return to the world and he's going to gather Broadlands Community Church. No, he gets, we hope, I mean, yeah. We won't be in the group. Jesus comes back and he gathers his church. His bride. And it says his bride. And his bride is the church. He gather. And so there's a relationship. When we accept him, we become his bride. And therefore, we are purified through Christ. That's what happened. That's what happened to Ruth. She's a mother. How did she get? I mean, the Bible. Does the Bible contradict itself? Does it contradict itself? It clearly said we're not having any Moabites. And right here we have is a Moabite. How did because she married to Christ. She became a Gentile bride. 
and came part of the famine. That's how you override that. See, Jesus will override that. Jesus overrides the law. See? And we see that in the New Testament, right? Now, and we'll just, since we're going here, we just have, and I know this is like kind of the details. Okay, get to the point. But the point is to understand all this stuff fits together. If you know this, you have confidence about all the other stuff and great confidence with that. Now, and so Ruth and Boaz have a baby. And they name the baby Obed. Okay, Obed. And Obed gets married, and he and his wife have a baby. And his name is Jesse. And Jesse and his wife get married, and they have a baby, King David. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Now, come on. You're in the lineage of Christ. You're in the lineage of Christ. The, the, the whole lineage of Christ is, you know, shown us. But because they're the lineage of Christ, because they are the bride of Christ, because they're in the family of Christ, the cursed... Now, let's take it back. We're taking the whole Bible together. Old Testament, New Testament. You try to break them all up, you get all confused and do really stupid stuff. When you have a nice flow, when you have a nice flow, it's, oh, this makes sense. You know, by the way, that's why it's important to read the whole Bible. I didn't, anyway, just plug for that. Because when you read it together, it starts making sense. It's all fit together, and all these things that God is telling us start to come forward. Now, here's what we have in the Old Testament. The cursed Right were the cursed Canaanites, the cursed Moabites, through Ruth and through Rahab and Ruth, are related to the great Jewish king David and included in the lineage of Christ. The Canaanites got in. The Moabites got in. Wallace got in. <laughs> you see? And you got in through Christ. Because I, beforehand, was cursed without God. I accepted Christ and I became part of the family. Just like Rahab and Ruth. Same thing. Is the Old Testament different than the New Testament? No. You got the physical picture and then you have the spiritual picture fulfilled. And if we know both of them, we can see like, whoa. Whoa. God has this all together. Now I want to read you, of course, don't you love genealogies? I mean, you've read Leviticus. You just love these stuff. You go through genealogies. But here's, here's the reason we have all these genealogies. And I'm just going to give you a piece of one that's recorded in the book of Ruth and is recorded in Matthew chapter 1. Same genealogy. I mean, they didn't even bother to change it. The genealogy in Ruth, Old Testament genealogy in Matthew, same thing. And listen to what they both say. Now, they're going to Christ, but I'm going to pick out the middle. You don't want to hear the whole genealogy, do you? No? Okay, I'm just going to pick out a piece in the middle. But this is, it says, Solomon, the father of Boaz. Okay, Boaz, all right, we do it. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. 
Boaz married Ruth, a Gentile. His mother was a Gentile, Rahab. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, the prostitute. Okay, didn't say that, but I mean, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. I mean, there is an absolute picture of the lineage of Christ and David, and Christ was called many times the son of David, the son of David. And now we see his picture, and it's tied, intricately tied to the Gentile church. David and Jesus are intricately tied to the Gentile church. Christ comes into the world to save the world, the Gentiles. Just like Rahab and Ruth and all the Gentiles, we were totally separate from God's people, people hopeless and doomed to destruction. Amen? And then what we, we put our trust in Christ. Then all of a sudden we're part of the family. Okay, right? Everybody with me? Now I want to read in the book of Ephesians, where it summarizes it. Because we have Joshua, the physical picture, and then we have Ephesians, the spiritual picture. So I'm going to read out Ephesians because it nails it on the spiritual picture. You ready? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 12. In fact, I'm going to give you time to turn there or write it down or something because it's really, really important. I mean, this whole thing comes up to these verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. Everybody got that? Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 12. And it says here, Wallace's documentary, Hey, I'm going to tell you all about Joshua. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And it says this. Remember. Okay, pause. <laughs> pause. What does that mean? Remember, you know something. Remember, here's the truth. Remember, I just come here. How'd you get here? You called your kids. Where are you? I'm at. How'd you? I don't know. Just showed up here. You go. No, I don't know who brought me. You go. Oh my God. You know. So well, the Bible's not like that. It said, "Remember, okay. Remember that formerly. Now this is he's talking to the church." Apostle Paul, he's talking to the church. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth. Who's he talking to? Gentiles by birth. You ain't part of the Jewish nations. You're not part of the lineage of Christ. You ain't part of anything. Remember that. Remember that. Verse 12. Remember that at that time you're Gentiles. Okay, remember you're Gentiles. You're like Rahab and Ruth. Remember. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God, in the world. <laughs> okay. Me, Rahab, and Ruth. It says, look. Separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, the spiritual citizenship of Israel that represents the called out people, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Rahab couldn't get the promises. She's a foreigner to it, you know, but she assimilated herself into Jewish people. We're separated from the covenants of promise. 
without hope, without God in the world. And all God's people said, that's Joshua. That's the physical picture. This is the spiritual picture of Joshua. Joshua's the physical picture. And we're seeing what happened. And God said, now you can understand spiritually what's going on. Spiritually, what's going on? And he's kind of whispering in your ear, just like Rahab and Ruth, you know. Now, well, what are we going to do about it in the New Testament? I mean, they're lost. What are we going to do about it in the New Testament? Jesus, God, is going to reveal his redemption through grace. Like Rahab and Ruth, we are purified by faith. We are purified by the blood of cross. Rahab and Ruth are looking forward. We are looking back on Christ. Both of them, Christ saved Rahab. Christ saved Ruth. Christ saved me by the blood of Christ. Because the next verse in Ephesians says this. Okay, you're separated. Without promise. Without hope. The next verse, Ephesians 3, 13. Whole thing comes together. Whole thing comes together. Joshua comes together. Ephesians 2, 13. But now. Now that's a big but now. And both of those words are in there. It's but contrast now at this moment. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And all God's people said. Old Testament, New Testament, continuity of Scripture has one message. One message. All right? And then, here's where we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. But what does that do to us? Why, why do we need to know all that? I mean, yeah, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're forgiven and saved. You say a prayer. Okay, you're in. <laughs> That's true. But all of this, all these other things are true also. And we have a confidence of this thing. It gives us greater strength. Hey, here's a car. And you turn it, go to work, back, you're good. And you say, oh, yeah, car, I'm good. You know, well, you're good. The thing sputters and you know, you, your check engine light comes on, you know, runs out of gas. You just like runs out. Oh, and you know, what all this other stuff you got to do? I thought this thing worked. Well, it does work. And you are in, you know, of course you're going to have to be AAA and tow you to the surface, but you're in, okay. You're going to go by AAA or you can, you know, keep your car taken care of. Well, if I know I have this car, I know what kind of engine it is, I know how well built it is, I know the history, I, I know what everybody's put into it, I know the thing never breaks down, I know you have to put gas in it, I know you have to change the oil, or if it's something like you plug this thing up, you know, but when you plug it up, you know, just stay out of the water, you know, you don't get electrocuted. You see what I'm saying? But you know... But you know all the So you're more secure, what, in your car? This car is good. It's going to run. I've been there, everything about I know how the whole thing is made. The person that knows nothing will get A to B. But you get to A to B also. But when it sputters on the one that doesn't know anything, they panic. Mine sputters, okay, I can get this thing. I know this thing's working. I know how to fix it. I know how to keep it going. I know God wants something done to it. You see what I'm saying? So I'm giving you the details of the good car so you know how the thing runs, all right? This is what it says in the Scripture. So we should be encouraged and know that God is moving on our behalf. 
Oh, I just believe Jesus and I'm saved, but nothing's working out. God, where are you? You don't do a thing, you say. And all of a sudden it sputters. Okay, God's got something up here. There's a service station in mechanic I need to go to. I know I lift up in prayer. I know something has happened because this is a good car. I can trust it. And I put all my trust in it and I move forward. Because I trust Christ and I know the history, the continuity from Genesis to Revelations. I have confidence. And I know it's not changing. It's not changing. It didn't change for anybody else. It won't change for me. So we have confidence based on what we know. Same Jesus where you have the driver that knows nothing <laughs> than the driver that knows how this thing works. And by the way, now this is a killer. God wants you to know how your car works. So these people that don't know how the car, they're just going to be miserable the rest of their life. You know, they're going to kick the car. and You know, they're just going to be upset because they ain't going to learn anything, you know. But the one who learns more how to move forward in this car will continue to grow more and more and be more and more confident and accomplish more things because he's got into the Word to understand. There's continuity. This guy knows, he knows John 3.16. God bless him. You know, but there's a lot more going on to work in this world and we can understand what's happening around us. Amen? You see what I'm saying? And so this is what I'm saying. And so what we have, God is moving on our behalf, period. That is the truth. We have confidence, now listen, we have confidence through the continuity of Scripture. It, see, someone would read, a Moabite never in the assembly of God. And right over here it says, there's a Moabite in Jesus' lineages. So two people wrote it, they're totally inconsistent, they're contradictions, and the Bible is not true. No, silly. <laughs> This one proves the grace of God. This one proves the grace of God. And you understand the grace of God. You understand by receiving Christ that it washes away all the law and brings us into the presence of Christ. There's no contradictions. You see what I'm saying? But this one over here, yeah, you're probably right. Moabites, and I think I married one. It's good, great. Yeah, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You get over here. I'm starting to get my wife's look. She's going... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, so here, so here we are. We have confidence through the continuity of Scripture. Read it. Read it. It's tough stuff sometimes, but read it. And listen to if this I've said this multiple times. The Bible is the revelation or the revealing. The Bible says, Well, what's the Bible for? What's the Bible to? The Bible is the revelation of Christ. The Bible reveals Christ. If we didn't need to reveal Christ, we wouldn't need the Bible. The only reason we need the Bible, the only reason we need the Bible is to reveal Christ. The Bible is the revelation of Christ and the redemption of mankind. Redeeming man. That's why we have a Bible. To show us Christ and our redemption. Why do we have the lineage of Christ? You ever read, read through the lineage of Christ of God? Why? Because he connects it. And we can see Rahab and Ruth and David. And we see that flow, that golden flow of Christ into his birth in a stable. See? Predicted in the Old Testament. Predicted in the Old Testament. How did we know Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem? Old Testament. 
See, anyway. But just know, and it helps you in reading the Bible. And you look for these things and you see the Bible is the revelation, the revealing of Christ, and the revealing or revelation of redemption of man. Christ on the cross, that we may be saved. We're redeemed. It's redeemed. We see our redemption. God's breathed out word was written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors. It's historically accurate, verified by the resurrection of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which is also preserved through the church. Because we have such an un- since we have such an unwavering confidence, we encourage one another to live out the faith. Amen? We encourage one another to live out the faith. This is the reason Paul said, this is really important, this is the reason Paul said this. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.12. Now he's talking about the church here. 2.12. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. I mean, I told you what that guy said when I came to Christ. He said, he's God save you. He can save anybody. Hey, my God. See, and some of us go, wait, he, he presents the church as pure virgin? Christ, her husband? How can that happen? How's that going to happen to Rahab? How's that going to happen to Ruth? You know, the church. See, they're all cleansed of their sin through the blood of Christ. That's the reason 2 Corinthians 5.21 says what it says. It brings us all together. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become as right as God. That's how we got there. Or we became a pure virgin to him. And that, it means the same thing. I'm just, it says, God made him who knew no sin to be a sin for us, so that in him we might be a pure virgin to God. All God's people said, praise Jesus for Rahab. Holy God, praise Jesus. This verse is true of Rahab and Ruth. And it shows the continuity of Scripture. It's very central to our salvation, who we are. See, all we look at Rahab and say, okay, we're good. Uh, oh, my God. Does God love you? Yeah, how do you know? He loved Rahab. Oh, oh my goodness. You see, you see where I'm getting at? It's so important for us to see these things. So, now we'll end up here. Here, and we will take it clear to the end of the scriptures. So Rahab tells us we are purified by the blood of Christ. Therefore, we are confident, walking in God's power, always rejoicing, right? We're in God's power, rejoicing, because he loved Rahab. Oh, my God. And we see the power of his love that he brought us into the kingdom and how he did it. And we see it in the entire scripture. And so in the last book of scripture, it is so clear and it, when i read this last verses well not the very last but this book out of revelation in scripture everybody here i go oh yeah oh my i see it the whole thing makes sense now revelation 19 7 revelation 19 7 
Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb, Christ, has come. And his bride, the church, has made herself ready. Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah. What do we have in that verse? Revelation of Christ complete and the revelation of the redemption complete. And we rejoice through the blood of Christ. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And Jesus, we thank you for your word. And Oh my goodness, just all the things that come together and just the truth that we would see. I mean, just picking out a piece that you're seeing that Ruth and Rahab, Ruth and Rahab are a picture of the church you died for. And Lord, how much confidence that that gives us, that you love us, you will not forsake us, and that we need to step out into the darkness. And there's some people in the darkness, like we were, that are going to see the light and believe. But the masses, the Bible says, don't. That's fine, because there's some that do. And we carry the light, and the light expels darkness. We give thanks to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.